Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. Stand to your feet, turn your Bibles with me to 2 Kings. I'm not going to be long this morning. 2 Kings chapter 4. And as you turn to 2 Kings chapter 4, I want to talk to you about one of the women in the Bible, one of the few women that stand out. Now, there's great moms in the Word, but this lady really stands out to me, and she doesn't even have a name. There's no name given to her. She's just known as the Shunammite woman. And one thing I love about this woman is this, is that she's known as a woman that's extremely successful Yet, although she's been successful in so many arenas of life, there's one area of life that she's kind of given up hope on. And that was the area of having kids. She, she has a, sounds like a great marriage, sounds like she's well off financially, sounds like, like everything around her is well. All the things that you would want in life, she has. She has a closet full of of Versace dresses. She has, you know, all the best of Chanel has to offer. She has all the Tiffany jewelry. Anything that she could want is taken care of. But there's one area of her life that just seems that, that has been absent. And so God ends up meeting that need in her life by giving her a son. But that son ends up getting sick very quickly and having an aneurysm that we believe and dies. I want you to notice what we, we pick up here in verse 20 of chapter 4 of the Second Kings. It says, So the servant took him home and his mother held him. Everyone say held. On her lap, but around noontime he died. She carried, someone say carried. Him up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, then shut the door and left him there. She sent a message to her husband, send one of the servants and a donkey so that I can go hurry to the man of God and come right back. Bow your heads as we pray. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I call this super mom because moms have the ability to be really superhuman. They're amazing. And all the moms in here, if you're a mother, would you stand up very quickly? We just want this round of applause is for you. We just want to say how much we love you. You guys are awesome. God bless you. I want you to know, notice something about this first woman. Is that this woman, first of all, she makes room. Everyone say makes room. If you look in 2 Kings and earlier in this, this story... The Bible says in verse 10 that, that, that the lady lives, her house is located in a place called Shunem. And that city is located between two cities where Elijah would go back and forth. Not Elijah, but Elisha would go back and forth and he would preach in a circuit. And he would pass this way and apparently the road between one city he ministered in and the other city he would minister in would be pretty long. And there were no hotels, there was no Crown Plaza, there was no Hilton, there was no place, not even a Motel 6 for him to stay. And so this this house was kind of situated on the highway and she would watch him come back and forth and she tells her husband here in verse 10, let us build a small room for him. 
Furnish it with a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp. And he will have a place to stay whenever he comes by. And I want you to notice she makes room. Everyone say makes room. A good mom always makes room. I mean, I remember that growing up, my mom always made room for my dad time was, made room for my sister, made room for my kids, made room for me, made room for the family, made room for the church, made room for work, made room for ministry. My mom was always making room. She was always making adjustments no matter what was going on. She was always doing these things. She always made room for friends that would show up. Then my mom would go crazy cooking meals and everything a Puerto Rican household, she's Puerto Rican, when they would come, she had to put out, and everyone came over and wanted Puerto Rican food, and so she'd start with the Puerto Rican rice and beans and, and start getting all this stuff together, and people would come over. If there was not Puerto Rican food, my mom felt like she cheated them, and so she always made room for them, but then after they left, she complained because there was so much work she had to do when people came over, Okay. But the reality is this, is that she made a room. But the greatest thing I ever seen my mom do and my wife do was make room for God. They learned to make room for God in their lives. They always took, I remember coming home from school, from this school right here, Mount Pleasant, and I would walk home. And so when I'd get home, I remember coming through the door and I would hear my mom upstairs in her room praying. I remember my mom making an altar before God every afternoon and I could hear her praying for me. And I remember her praying, God, please touch this kid. God, please get a hold of this kid. Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do with this kid. And I would crack up. I'm like, man, I'm drawing. You know what? God, God blessed me with you, gave, blessed you with me because I'm drawing you closer to the Lord. If it wasn't for me, you wouldn't be praying as much as you're praying right now. But the thing is, is that she made a room. Everyone say room. She made a room for the man of God so that whenever Elisha came by, he had a place to stay. I need you to understand that we must make room for God in our lives. We got to take time to make room. We got to prepare a place for the presence of God in our homes, in our jobs, in our relationships, in our finances. We got to make room for God in our families. But too many of us only make room for God at church, but not in our relationship, not in our, in our, in our business. You got to make room for God. Why? Because the fact that she made room for God, God made room for her. What am I talking about? What we see, we see later on is that after the man of God came down and he's chilling at her house, he calls her upstairs. He says, hey, um, he tells the servant, go, go ask her, does she need anything? Being that you did something for me, we want to help you out. And so the servant goes to her and says, uh, is there anything we could do for you? And she goes, paraphrase, I don't need anything, I'm good. I didn't do this for you because I wanted something. I did this for you because of the goodness of my heart. I'm, not, I'm, I'm fine. I got everything I need, even though there was part of her that had given up on something. When the servant goes upstairs, Elisha says, what does she want? He goes, she says she doesn't need anything. But the servant says, you know, she... she her husband's old and she doesn't have any kids. So there's no error. Maybe we can give her a kid. So Elisha calls her up. And Elisha called, we, we've had a lot of beautiful music and service <laughs> past couple services recently. But I want you to notice what happens is that he calls the servant up. The servant 
tells, him that, tells Elijah that. And so Elijah calls her up and says, hey, this time next year, you're going to have a child. And she looked at him and said, amen. That is so, I've been praying for that. That's not what she said. In fact, in the word of God, she says, don't play with me. I'm paraphrasing. Don't, don't play with me. In other words, I gave up on that dream already. Don't awaken something that I've already settled isn't going to take place. Some of you have settled for a marriage that will always be unhappy, for kids that will never serve the Lord, for a depression that you will always carry around. You believe in God. You've done things for God. You even made room for God in your life. But you've come to the point in your life that you've given up any hope of ever having that thing ever met in your life. And I need to let you understand something, that when you make room for God, God makes room for you. So this thing that she thought was dead, a year later, she has the child. When we put God first, God will put your needs first as well. So I'm here to encourage you today, make room for God, because it's too late when your marriage is in crisis to make a room for God to dwell. It's too late to build a place to carry your your sorrows and your issues when the crisis is going on. You have to build it before the crisis comes. Somebody say amen. 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 Second thing I want you to notice is that she carries a load. Moms carry a load. I mean, we're cleaning, preparing, uh, laundry, cooking, all these things that they do. Moms carry such a load. And here I want you to notice not only do they carry this, They carry the children. Do you understand that before Jesus delivered mankind, Mary had to deliver him? Moms don't just, and I I never really understood this because as a dad, there's sometimes your kids make decisions. You're like, oh, they made the choice. Let them deal with it. But that's not a mom, right? That's just not a mom. We got to do something. But they're doing, they're this, they're, they're that, they're going through this, they're going through that. I'm like, well, they made a choice. Why, why, do, why do we have to come in and, and, and bail them out? Well, we got to do something. We can't just let this thing be like this. Why? Because she carried them for nine months. And after she delivered them, she's still carrying them today. That, that's what a mom does. Moms carry their kids. They continue. It doesn't matter how old you get. I just turned 50, and my mom still calls. Are you eating enough, mijo? You're looking skinny. You're not, it doesn't look like Angie's feeding you. And I said, she's not, Mom. She's not. She really isn't. I don't know how I made it this far. <laughs> like all you selfie picture, pictures. You're not fooling anyone. You got cheeks. Care how much you suck those cheeks in. You got cheeks. I don't know where that came from. This is going. But the child begins to grow, and the child's between 8 to 12 years old, and he's out working with his father. And the Bible says that he has a headache. And many believe that he had an aneurysm that was beginning to start. And this child, as he's sitting there, begins to complain about his head. And the dad is just like any other dad. Look, just just go, go sit over there. I got work to do. And he just keeps on working while the son is sitting there. He has this headache that's pounding. The servant takes him. And this is where we pick it up in verse 20. His mother held him on her lap everyone say held but about noontime he died and yet even though he died at verse 21 she's still carrying him 
It doesn't matter what goes on. Our, our, our parents will continue to carry you. They continue to hold on. And the child dies. And this thing, now you got to understand with me, this mom didn't ask for this baby. She told the man of God, no, I don't want to. Don't do this to me. And now the very thing that she, she was hoping for, she had, she held, has died. And she's sitting there holding this very thing that was so precious to her. And she's holding on to him because in her mind, I'm not settling for this. I didn't ask for this child, but God, you gave me this child. Then I'm not going to let it end this way. The Bible says that she picked him up and she carried. Somebody say carried. Carried him up the stairs. And where does she take him to? To where? To Elijah's bedroom. You see, if she hadn't built the room, there would have been no place to lay the child. Many of us, when we go through crisis in marriage, you go through crisis with your kids. You haven't built that place, that dedicated place that belongs only to God. So you have no place to carry that dead thing. She had a place to carry the child because she had built a place, prepared a place. I'm not telling you to put an addition onto your home. What I'm saying is that what you're doing is you're dedicating that house to God. Make room for him. Make room for him in the morning when you get out of bed to pray. Make room for him before you go to bed. Make room for him in your marriage. Make room for him in your your job. Make room for him at school. Make a place that God is welcome. Come on, somebody. And she, she, she takes him and she places him on the bed. And I love this. She closes the door behind her. She doesn't want anyone stumbling in there because no one belongs in that room except the man of God. And she goes down, and, and th- this is what she does, and th- th- this is the third thing. She does whatever's necessary. Moms do whatever's necessary. You notice that? M- moms just, I-, I don't know, you guys, you guys are pretty amazing. The things that you do, how you do it, uh, man, yesterday you were, you, were, you were just busier than a one-legged man in a butt-kicking contest. <laughs> You were everywhere yesterday, just everywhere. Even late last night, you were, you were just everywhere. Just, uh, you got so much going on. And how, how do, I, I don't, moms have this ability to accomplish so many things. Moms have this ability to run a company and yet still raise your children. How, how do you do that? How do you accomplish that? How do you accomplish these kind of, it's a super woman kind of, you do whatever's necessary. Look at verse 24. Still with me? Look, look at verse 24. So she saddled the donkey and said to the servant, hurry, don't slow down unless I tell you. No, notice this, that you, you got this lady. She probably has all her, all her uh, Tiffany jewelry on. She's probably wearing one of her best dresses. She's just chilling in, out there, finds, hold, holding her son. He dies, lays him on the bed, and she runs out, calls her husband to send her a donkey. Her husband says, is everything okay? She's like, it's cool. Everything's fine. Everything's going to be fine. Doesn't even tell her husband what's going on. And she saddles the donkey. Her hair's all done. Her nails are done. She, she's the, she has a servant there. Wouldn't you have the servant take care of it? 
But moms do whatever's necessary. There's, I don't have time to wait for the servant to just sit there, put the blanket on, then put the saddle, and then take his time and, you know, kind of stretch a little bit and, and start getting... I need to go. I need my, my, my baby needs me. My baby's laying there. And that, that's, I've seen you mothers. I've seen you when you're, you're doing something for your kids. There, there's, some, there's a look in your eye that you, you have that look of Hulk. You're about to go off. There, there, you're about, your eyes are about to turn green and things are about to start getting changed. Changes are going to start happening because as sweet as you are, you have the ability to turn into a, a superhuman person when something starts happening to your babies. Come on, somebody. And so she gets in there and she saddles up the horse, or the, the, the donkey. I want you to understand that many of us, many of you, you've gone above and beyond. You've got to do what you've got to do when you're waiting for a breakthrough. You can't wait for someone else to saddle your donkey. You can't wait for someone else to come and bring your breakthrough. That, that, that donkey was, was why, why not a horse? A horse would get there faster, but a donkey has perseverance. It could carry, it could carry a burden without giving up. Come on. That, that, it may not be fast, but it's not going to give up. It's just going to keep on going. Somebody say, keep on going. And I want you to notice what happens here, okay? Last thing as we close. Omaha, if you could help me, or, or um, Upu, whichever one, if you guys can help me this morning. Verse 30. Look with me in verse 30. But as the boy's mother said, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will not go home unless you go with me. So Elijah returned with her. What's the last thing a mother does? A mother believes that it's never over. Oh, come on, moms. No matter how bad things are right now, Renee, you're getting ready to know what that's like. You're going to know how it is to be a mother. I want you to understand that when she lays the child down, she closes the door because she doesn't want anyone finding her son in that condition. Because in her mind, we are not funeral planning. We are not going to start a funeral plan here. We're not going to start a GoFundMe account. She didn't get on social media. Baby just died. My son just went to be with the Lord. Nothing. She didn't want anyone to know because this wasn't over yet. She closes the door. She gets on the, that little donkey and she just begins to ride. There's some of you, your kids are dead spiritually. There may have been a breakup in your relationship. There's no relationship that's going on. And yet you're on your way and things are falling apart around you. Things aren't working out. Everything seems like it's falling apart. And when she, her husband asks, what do you need the donkey for? It's, it's not the Sabbath. It's not one of the festivals of the new moon. Why are, you, why are you going to church now? Why are you going to the man of God now? Isn't that just for Sundays? Isn't that just for Saturday? Isn't that just for a certain day of the week? I'm here to tell you that you can't make God a one day a week thing. He has to be a lifestyle. And God asks to be who I am every day 24-7. It's what I am. It's who I am. 
And she goes after him. And when, when her husband asks, is everything okay? He, she says, it's going to be fine. Your son's dead. You laid him in the room and he's dead. And your husband asks, is everything okay? Her response, everything's going to be fine. In fact, I think they should rewrite Hebrews chapter 11 and put her name in there. Because I don't see any kind of faith like that in the Old Testament. Because, listen, you don't see a resurrected body before that time in the Bible. Had never been done. Just because your need or miracle hasn't been done yet doesn't mean it's not possible. This is so cool because she gets on the little donkey and they're, they're riding, her and the servant. The servant's driving, she's behind them. And they're just moving along. And far away, Elijah see, Elisha sees her. And he sends Gehazi, the servant, to go find out what's going on. Because he says, the Lord's blocked from me what's taking place. And so the servant goes and asks, is everything okay? And she just rides right by him. Everything's fine. You know, you know the reality is? It's too many of you. We're not having our breakthrough. Because you're stopping and telling people that can't help you with your breakthrough. Quit wasting time and telling everyone what's going on. Oh, our marriage is about to fall apart. Oh, my, 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 my job is this. Or you know what? This person is this. That individual is this. Stop telling things to people that can't help you. Her husband couldn't help her. Didn't mean she didn't love him. Just you can't help me right now. It'll be fine. I don't have time to tell you right now. Doesn't mean I don't love you. It just means I, I got somewhere I'm going right now. Gehazi comes up and says, everything okay? Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Where's Elisha? Well, he told me, to, where's Elisha? He comes over, Gehazi says, now listen, I want you to run to the boy. I want you to find where he's, where he's at. I want take, Here, take my staff, my authority. Place the, the, the staff on his head, and he'll come back to life. And I love what she does. She's like, well, I appreciate that, sitting on the donkey. I appreciate that. But we ain't going anywhere till you go with us. I just sent my servant. He has my staff, my staff power. Remember Moses? Staff, parted sea. Sure, it could do the dead thing too. You might as well just make a place for me because I'm staying here as long as you are. So you're either coming with me or we're staying here together. But I'm not leaving. You ever see a mom like that? Some of y'all don't, don't even have kids and you're like that right now. <laughs> you know what I'm talking There's this stubbornness, this belief, that this, this, this thing inside of you that just has this ability to grab on. So Elijah goes with him. The end of the story is Elijah is able to read. You could read the story. Elijah is able to bring the child back to life. 
He lays on him once and the child begins to get warm, but he's still not alive. Don't stop at progress. Many of us stop just because, oh, the body's getting warm. Okay, things are getting better. My marriage is getting better. My kids are getting better. My finances, my, my depression. And then we stop doing the thing that actually brought life. It wasn't until he laid on him again, eye to eye, mouth to mouth, hand to hand, that the child came back to life. And I love what Elisha does. The same place that he gave her the promise that she was going to have a child a year later is the same place in the room that she built. He calls her back up the stairs and presents her, her son, alive. This isn't a fairy tale. This isn't Dr. Seuss. This isn't Disney. This is real life. That God showed up on behalf of a mother to bring life back to her child. And I've watched my wife speak life to our kids. And she's caused me to speak life to them as well. I'm here to tell you, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. It's not over. That thing you thought it was dead isn't dead. God could raise it up and make it live again. Whether it's a dream, a relationship, a hope, a career, peace, whatever it is. Bow your heads with me this morning. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.